Hello and welcome to the Village Church Podcast. My name is John and we are glad to have you join us. We work to deliver our most recent preaching content to you as soon as possible, so let's get into God's Word together. If you have a copy of God's Word in front of you, find your way to John the 15th chapter. John chapter 15. If you do not have a Bible, uh, there are some on tables in the lobby. Please take one for your own personal needs. If you want to give that to someone, someone that you know needs a Bible, please get the Word of God into someone's hand. What a privilege. Uh, I was asked last week, there are some resources that we put out in the lobby on the tables out there, and some people were asking, do we pay for these or whatnot? No, those are a blessing. Uh, If there's a title that catches your eye, if there's something that you feel could help you, uh, there are different topics uh, on the table by the doors out there. Please take it. Please read it. Uh, Give it to someone. If you know someone who needs some encouragement in something, please, uh, any of those resources out there, please take them, and may they be a blessing uh, as God has prospered us to provide those. Um, Trying to, as I think through those titles, trying to highlight one, uh, and we are talking about love today as we continue the One Another series love one another. Uh, There is a little booklet out there called Does God Love Everyone? And I strongly encourage it. I strongly encourage that you understand the biblical topic of God loving all people. So if you're interested in that, that's out there. Please take that. Uh, May it encourage you and bolster our learning this morning. John chapter 15. Uh, We began this series, One Another, last week by looking at the specific context and people group among whom the many one another commands of Scripture are directed. Who has, the, who has God's Word said live life with one another to, specifically, and what is the context of where that people lives? The many one another commands of Scripture are to a specific people, and they are to be lived out in a specific context. First, last week we examined that the biblical call to life with one another is for a Christ-created community. The one another commands of scripture are not for the unsaved lost world. They are for those born again through faith in Jesus Christ. The one another commands are for a Christ created community. That is the church. When I say Christ created community, I'm speaking to the church, both universal around the world and right here local in Byron, a Christ created community, the church where Christians, those who are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, gather together to worship, to exhort one another, to learn, to glorify God, to be compelling, which was our second thought last week. We examined first that the call to life with one another is for a Christ-created community. We examined second that this life should be compelling to the world around us. As Christians obey God's word to live life with one another, the world around us should be, and I believe will be, as Christians live obeying God, will be drawn to the glory and beauty and the truth of God, will be open to hearing the word of the gospel, that as we live life with one another, a lost soul will repent of sin, will call on God, and will be saved. Living out the Bible's commands to life with one another produces a compelling, Christ-created community. We give our attention now to What I believe, it's just my own thought, and maybe as we go along that will change, maybe you have a different thought now, I believe the greatest command to life with one another, and that is love. Just turn your attention to God's word, John, the 15th chapter. Would you look with me down to the 12th verse, John 15, 12. This is my commandment, 
Jesus is speaking. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father. I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Father, as we turn our attention to your word, Father, I pray that the power of your spirit would speak to our hearts, God, that your word would speak to us in the area of loving one another. Help us, Father, for the world has certainly distorted this great biblical doctrine. We are upside down and sideways on what you say love is and how we are to love one another. And so, Father, we need your help. I pray that your word would help and guide us this morning into a greater love for one another. I pray, Father, that as your word is proclaimed, not only here but around the world, Father, that sinners would be drawn to repentance and salvation, that the holiness of your people would be promoted, and I pray that Christ the Savior would be lifted high. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. I have three goals in today's sermon Three things that I think this one another command and that I think is revealed here in these short verses draws out for us. Uh, so those goals, threefold. One, why we are to love one another. Three goals in the form of three questions. Why are we to love one another? Second, with what kind of love are we to love one another? And lastly, what does loving one another look like? three goals in the form of three questions. Why are we to love one another? With what kind of love are we to love one another? And lastly, what does loving one another look like? A compelling Christ-created community is to be marked, arguably, first and foremost, by the love that those in that community have for one another. Simply, the church is to be marked by Christians, loving Christians, well. In the Ten Commandments, Commandments 5 through 10 all reflect how God's people are to be a people-loving people. In Mark 12, Jesus asked, he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he answered, first, love God, second, love people. But today, we are not focusing on Christians loving all people. We need help loving one another. It is my position that if Christians were better at loving one another, Christ-created communities throughout the world would be more compelling, and we would see what Scripture reveals when God's people love one another. The phrase, love one another, is found at least 15 times over 12 New Testament verses, 11 times in the epistles. That's just a fancy word that means letter to the churches. 11 times in the epistles... Romans, 1 Thessalonians, 1 Peter, 1 and 2 John, 11 times. Four of those 15 times are recorded by John as having been directly stated by the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So 15 times over 12 New Testament verses, God's word says to God's people, love one another. John 15, 12, the opening words of Christ here. This is my commandment. You should circle or underline that word if you're the type, as I am, that cannot help but note things when God's word says it. This is my commandment. This is coming from the Lord Jesus. John recording the Lord Jesus saying to us, I command you. This is not a happy thought. This is not some cute saying. I am saying to you, love one another. This is my commandment. I have been calling the one another statements from Scripture commands, and you can see from the opening of this verse here why. It is especially true of love one another. Christ himself says, look at the text, this is my commandment. Down in verse 14, do what I command. Down in verse 17, I command you. Loving one another is not an option. It's not an aspect that we get to say, I don't really like that person, so I think I'll pass on loving them today. Christ commands his people to love one another. In his first and second letters to the church, John reuses the language of Christ. 1 John 3.25, and this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. I want to pause. If you are here today and you have not placed your faith and your hope and your confidence, if you have not believed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, do so today. Do not wait. You may be sitting there saying, Pastor, we're all Christians. Why do you say that every week? Because I don't know if you're all Christians. I don't know if you're all born again. I don't know if you may be sitting here in the same context that was just shared out of Kenya, that there are many who are religious, but not many who are saved. And we can come and we can look the part. But John writes, this is God's commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. It is obedience to God to say, I believe, Lord Jesus, you came, you lived a sinless life, you died a sinner's death, you were buried three days, you rose again, you've ascended to heaven and you are returning. I trust you, Lord Jesus, for my salvation. If you have not called on the name of the Lord, do so today. John writes, again, 1 John 3, 25, and this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and... Love one another. Second John 1.5, John writes again his second letter, and now I ask you, not as though I am writing a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Peter also uses similar language in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. He writes to the churches, having purified your soul by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again. Peter's words remind us that the specific context of loving one another is among a regenerate, born again body of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. The one another commands may be attractive to the world. They may sound good to the world. They may post them to their Facebook walls. They may write them on billboards. But apart from the regenerating work of the Spirit of God, the one another commands are simply nice words for the people of the Lord. For God's people, the one another commands are obedience. Having purified your soul by your obedience to the truth. This just brings a question, even in the moment, not written down. 
Is your soul being purified by your obedience to the truth of God's word? As we read and as we obey, our very being is being purified. The Bible would use other language and say, conformed to the image of God's beloved son. By your obedience, love one another earnestly. Also noting in that verse how loving one another comes in light of obedience. To love is to obey. God and love have become such distorted topics in the world that I cannot spend the time on a Sunday morning to unwind the twisted, knotted mess that it has become. God is love. The saying, I started writing down sayings the other day and I just deleted all of them. Think about it. God is a God of love. Not untrue, but 1 John tells us that God is love. God exudes love. Love pours out from God. Every action of God is wrapped up in him being love. God is loving when he judges. God is loving when he saves. God is loving when disaster falls on the earth. He is always operating out of love. You can see the enormity of the topic God and love have become so messed up without getting into all of the messed up views of God and of love in 1 John chapter 15, verse 12, verse 17. I'm going to show you more in John 13 in just a moment. Our love is an act of obedience. And this is how we know it's not always easy, is it? It's not always easy to obey. However, if you are a Christian, if you sit here today with your hope squarely placed in the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting him through faith, your king is commanding you, love one another. This is serious. Note takers can write this down. To not love is to disobey God. To be unloving, and we see that throughout scripture, to be unloving is to be disobedient to God. Why are we to love one another? The first question, the first goal of the sermon, why are we to love one another? We are to love one another as an act of obedience to God flowing out of our love for him because he, First John tells us, first loved us. Why am I supposed to love other Christians? Because God tells you to. And to not do it is to disobey your king. And we all understand what happens when we disobey the king. Why do we love? Because God commands it. Because he first loved us. Because it is an act of obedience. The verse goes on, chapter 15 of John, the 12th verse. This is my commandment, first clause. Look at the second one. That you love one another. That you love one another. Maybe a young person in the room. Maybe a child. Maybe simply someone who loves to think about words. What is love? How do we define that? Parents, have you ever thought of that? I just contemplated this past week. If my child said, Dad, what is love? How would I answer that question? What is love? It's hard to define, isn't it? Even as you think about it, you've got answers. You have words formulating in your mind about what love is. But to truly articulate it is difficult. Why? Because love is something internal. It's an affection a deep feeling we would probably all agree with. Merriam-Webster agrees. I drew these words. Love is feeling or affection or attraction to someone or something. We love things. 
now we can start thinking about the misappropriation of the word love. Think about all the different areas of your life where you say you love something. I love my wife. I love my children. I love my church family. I I actually love the act of living. Living is good. But then we also say, I love to go on vacation. I love to garden. I love to have a clean home. Think about all the various contexts where you say, I love. But love is ultimately a feeling that God has placed in us as image bearers of himself. We are a reflection of God. Genesis squarely places this in chapter 1 made in his image and according to his likeness. When we feel love, we are feeling something that is natural to God and is broken in us. Sin has broken much. Love is commonly talked about in three forms. I wrote these down. Maybe you're familiar with these terms. Three forms commonly accepted as the all-encompassing, if you will. I found several others this week. They always boil down to these three. Eros, philio, and agape. Eros is romance or passion. As Christians, we would say that is reserved for and constrained to the covenant of marriage between one man and one woman and no other. That's that's that first form of love. Filio, warm, deep affection for family or friends. This is love between parents and children. Love between siblings. Maybe love for a beloved aunt or uncle. This is love in your friends group, these people that God has bound you together with. The Bible talks about this form of love often. When you see the term brotherly love, that's what's being used. When Jesus wept at Lazarus' tomb, John eleven thirty six, 36, the people around saw him weeping and said, look how he, phileo is the Greek form. Look how he loved him. Yet right here, In John chapter 15, 12, we find the third form of love, agape. This is unconditional. This is love that is colorblind. This is love that is not easily swayed or influenced by people around. This is love that does not see boundary, that does not see marker, that does not care who you are, where you've come, what you've done. This is love that has affection for. Only God can love this way. In fact, you may have heard that agape is only God's type of love. God only loves with agape love. I definitely thought that as I started preparing this sermon this week. And then I started paying attention to the use of the word throughout the New Testament. God is the only one who loves unconditionally, perfectly. God loves unconditionally, perfectly, and we do not Our love is broken. The best love in this room between husband and wife is flawed and cannot be perfect. Our unconditional love will come to an end. God's will not. God loves unconditionally. Why can we not? Sin broke it within us. Sin breaks our ability to love unconditionally. Of these three, eros, phileo, and agape, phileo and agape are the two most frequently used words for love in the New Testament. Right here in John chapter 15, verse 12. This is my commandment that you agape one another. Not that you phileo, not that you eros, that's the world. 
that you agape, that you love unconditionally. This is my commandment, that you love one another unconditionally, without restraint, without divide, without concern for how the other has wronged me, that our love for one another would be unconditional. It is commanded. Here in John chapter 15, we find ourselves in the middle of what is commonly called the upper room discourse. John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, where Christ observes the last Passover with his disciples. And do you know some of the scenes that transpire over those chapters in John? They gather for the last supper, and in that room, together the disciples in Christ, what does he do? He washes their feet. He institutes a new meal for his people and gives the Lord's Supper. He tells them, he's leaving. I am leaving you, but I will not leave you alone. He promises help. He promises comfort. He promises counsel. In the upper room discourse, the night before Christ would demonstrate his love for the world on the cross, we find Christ telling his disciples, love one another unconditionally. Back in John chapter 13, he begins telling his disciples he's going to go away. He's going to leave them. Flip the page back if you need to, John 13. His presence will no longer be physically with them. Jesus, the Lord, will leave them physically. John 16 deals with the Holy Spirit being sent, the comforter, the counselor. Jesus actually says to his disciples, it's good for you if I go. For if I go... I will send to you. And we praise God for the operation of the Holy Spirit within us. In John chapter 13, Christ says this, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. For those that are interested... A new commandment I give to you, that you agape one another, just as I have agaped you, you also are to agape one another, unconditional. You are to love unconditionally, as I have loved you unconditionally, you are so to love unconditionally, without reservation, without bounds. How often do we in our flesh, I got to be really guarded here, I've got to protect myself here. This is really scary. I'm not sure I should put myself out in this type of a relationship and be vulnerable to love this person. How often do we do this? How often do we do this? We reserve what God says. No, love one another without restraint. Care for, have affection for, help. With what kind of love are we to love? With unconditional love which only God can do perfectly. Yet a holy God who says, be holy as I am holy, says love the way that I have loved. Twice in this setting, we see Jesus in one room, in one sermon, use commandment language. He uses agape, unconditional. And would you look in John chapter 15 and in 13, look at what else Christ says. This is my commandment, John 15, 12, that you love one another as I have loved you. Look at 1334. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Why are we to love? It is obedience. 
with what kind of love? Unconditional. What does that loving one another look like? Jesus says, as I have loved you. In my notes I wrote, and I I think I believe this, I believe this is the linchpin of a compelling Christ-created community. Loving one another, not simply loving one another, but loving one another as Christ has loved us. This is where we can shine the glory of God brighter. We can declare the gospel of Christ louder. Or we can utterly fail. Twice on the night before he took our sins and his body on the cross, Christ said to his disciples, to us, my commandment is this, love one another as I have loved you. They hadn't even seen the extent of his love yet. Consider what they would witness, those who stayed near enough, some did, Consider what they would witness in their Savior, their friend, their Lord, their God, their Master, hanging on the cross with nails in hands, nails in feet, crown of thorns, whipped and beaten. Consider what they witnessed when Christ said from the cross, Father, forgive them. They hadn't even yet seen it. And I wonder how many of them, when they saw that image of their Lord, when they witnessed the drops of blood, when they heard the screams of agony, how many of them thought, this is loving one another. This is what I do for you. This is what we are called to. Often we ask, how should I love other people? I've been asked this question often. How should I love other people? The answer is staring us in the face. John 15, John 13, as Jesus loved us. I am to love you as Jesus loved me. You are to love me as Jesus loved you. We are to love one another as Jesus loved us. Are we doing this? Think in your life, your relationship with Christians. Are you loving other Christians? We're not talking about the lost in the world. Are you loving other Christians? This has been very difficult for me over the years. God helped me the most with it with a trip to a foreign country and the people group that I hated. That sounds extreme, but that's the only way I can word it. He took me to a country full of people that I hated. Why? Because I'm an American. And it's really easy to hate people when you don't know them. And then you smell, taste, touch, see a different culture. You see people loving in a way that you've never seen, and God starts to break down walls. We're not talking about that. We're talking about in this room. We're talking about from this room to other rooms down the street, to other rooms in other counties. Love one another. Christians, are we doing this Oh, church names and potential futures aside, this is Christ's command to his people everywhere throughout time. You love Christians. Love them. Our heart 
should break when we hear of Christians suffering in other countries. Our hearts should soar when we hear of reports of people in other countries being saved. Our hearts should break for the persecution that comes on believers and it should swell for the work of the gospel because we love, Hebrews says, you are bound with them through faith in Jesus Christ. Are we doing this? Am I doing this? Are we loving people the way that God has loved us? How do I love people is what is often asked. The better question, if you know me, I'm very famous for, well, the right question to ask would be A, B, and C. I love to reframe questions. That's the wrong question. You should ask this one. The right question would be this. What does it look like for me to love someone else? What does it look like for me to love one another? You. What does it look like for you to love me? The answer, as always, must come from Jesus. If we answer this outside of God's word, outside of Christ's example, we'll answer it wrong. We will not get it right. And so, let us look at how Jesus has loved briefly. Look at John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Pause. How many of you heard that verse before I read it? Somewhere in your life, in the world, in history, you've heard this verse before. Greater love has no one than to give up their life for someone else, right? In the context of the upper room discourse, Jesus is saying, no one loves greater than me. In John 10, I lay down my life for the sheep. I lay it down. Jesus is saying in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that great love and loving one another, those two thoughts combined in this text, that our love must be, what kind of love, what does it look like? Sacrificial. And everybody said, well, duh. Right, it's okay. I became comfortable a long time ago with realizing that I'm not here to say anything new to you. I'm here simply to remind you of what God has already said. Our love is to be sacrificial, but how often do we like to love that way? We love to love sacrificial when it means we're going to get what we want. Husbands, every one of you in the room knows what I just said. All of us know how to love someone sacrificially when it benefits us. What about when it doesn't? What about when it hurts? What about when it's inconvenient? Christ says love sacrificially. I don't ever want to just dwell on one verse to prove a point biblically. This is repeated over and over. Mark 10, 45, Jesus said he came to give his life as a ransom for many. John chapter 10, verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17, I lay down my life. Verse 18, I lay it down. Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 5, 25, Speaking specifically to husbands, so men, you can pay attention if you're in the room and you're married, if you're hoping to be married. Speaking specifically to husbands and how they are to love their wives, the word of God comes to us and says that Christ loved the church, the community that he created, to the extent of giving himself up for her. Husbands, sometimes I don't know how to love my wife. Start here. Give yourself up. That's not easy to do. Correct. It's not easy to do. That's why it's obedience. Give yourself up. Put pleasures away. 
Don't spend so much time doing the things you want to do and instead give time to what your wife would want to do. Be interested in your wife's life. Christ loved the church to the point of giving himself up for it. To love like Jesus is to love sacrificially, to lay down your life, to give yourself up. This is what it looks like to love one another. If you're here last week, I warned you, this series is going to stretch us. I was writing this wondering how on earth I would get past these thoughts in the rest of this series. When I look at the example of what Christ did in loving us, I think, I can't do this. And there's more one another's than just love. Love one another. How hard is this getting for everyone in the room? Lay yourself down. Show preference to others. Love when it's difficult. Love when it's not easy. Love unconditionally. Love when you are not loved in return. Getting easier? Am I helping anybody? It's getting harder for myself as I stand here. Ephesians 5, 25 and 27 says further that Jesus, in loving the church and giving himself up for his people, I love Ephesians 5. He sanctified, he purified, and he made holy. In Christ's loving the church, And giving himself up for her, that's what Ephesians 5.25 says, he sanctified, he purified, and he made holy his brides. Side question, husbands, how are you doing at loving your wife like that? Sanctifying, purifying, and making holy. It's the the straight line illustration that Paul uses in Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, purify her, and present her holy and blameless. That's how you're supposed to love your wife. This whole thing's just getting harder and more complicated. I can't do it, which is why you need Jesus, which is why this belongs in the community of those that Christ has created and nowhere else. It cannot be done apart from the Spirit of God. Now, this work is God's. Everyone in the room who has been of faith for any length of time would understand there is work that only God can do. God sanctifies, God purifies, God makes holy. That is not our work, but we are responsible within it. I have this question. If we are to love one another as Jesus loved us, shouldn't we ought to see our love for one another furthering the work of God in the lives of people around us? I mean, I was about, I, my family, praise the Lord, we were able to go camping for a few days this past week, and I was writing this sermon on a campsite. And I wrote this, and I was like, I quit. Someone else can preach this Sunday. I don't, <sighs> am I loving you in a way that is furthering the sanctifying work of God in your life? Are you loving one another in a way that is furthering the purifying work of God in one another's lives? that is furthering the holiness of us as God's people around us. That's the love that we're called to. As I love you, as you love me, as we love one another, as Christ loved us, we should see further sanctification, further purity, further holiness. And how often do we simply show up, do what we do, and go home, and nobody ever changes? I knew that guy when I was like 15 years old. He said he's a Christian since he was like seven. Nothing's ever changed in his life. Nothing's ever been new in his life. Then perhaps a stranger found their way into a compelling Christ-created community isn't generated through faith in the Lord and is not loving for real. And how many of us 
are failing at loving as Christ loved us. What does loving one another look like? It looks sacrificial. It looks like a giving up of yourself for someone else. I mean, oh my goodness, how often it could manifest in how many different ways. There's not a one-for-one on this. I'm not even talking about all of the ways that this type of love might show itself. I made these simple notes. Giving, sharing, caring, grieving, encouraging, helping. Not just when I stand to gain, but especially when I stand to hurt. This is not easy to do, but I've got this. I can do this. Are you okay? How many conversations are avoided between Christians because it's going to take an extra five minutes of our day to love one another as Christ loved the church? How many of us pass in the hallway and ever say, brother, sister, how can I pray for you? What's going on in your life? What are you reading? What are you learning? How can I love you and further the work of God in your life as he works in you? How often do we do it? I'm so guilty. Like, you don't even need to put your hands up. I'll put my hand up for every single one of us. We don't love as Christ loved. Our love is marred by sin, and we need the help of Jesus. We need the Spirit within us in order to obey the commandment. This is my commandment. There are so many other avenues and aspects of loving one another that I can't even get into. Again, I'm not talking about loving the world. I'm talking about how we should love one another, let alone how we should love the world. And we should, you know why? Because God does. I don't love that person. I don't like those people. I don't associate with them. I don't. God does. As you do, Christ said, Christ's words, we'll let him convict us all. As you do for the least of these, you do to me. God loves sinners. Do we? Do our actions show that we actually care? Or do we only care if we stand to benefit? In John chapter 13, just after verse 34 and verse 35, when Christ said, love one another as I have loved you, Jesus said, the world will know that you are mine when you love, again, agape, one another. You understand, we don't make converts We don't become compelling with how we love the world. We become compelling with how we love each other. Why? Because in the world, every friendship, relationship, love relationship, you name it, every connection is based on social class, financial standing, like interests, political preferences, like attracts like in the world. Look around your room right now. Just look around. We all kind of look at every scared to you, like, I don't look around. No, look around the room. Look around at one another. You can't love one another if you're not willing to look at each other. Look around the room. This is so hard, we can't even do it. Do you see how hard it is for us? We can't even look at one another. Look at each other. Sure, we all look kind of similar, don't we? Because we all came to church and put on nice clothes. But how different are the lives in this room? 
I'm blessed to stand up here and look out there and see so many that I know personally, quite a few of you that I know so well. And I know that your stories are so vastly different and I know, quite frankly, that you have absolutely nothing in common with anyone else in the room. That quite honestly, this room with these people is probably one of the last places that you would choose to find yourself in. But why are you here? Because Christ created a community. And he calls that community to love one another. The world cannot understand, but when we do, the world looks in endless fascination. And it's not my thought. It is the statement of our Lord. By this, the world will know that you are mine. Christ proving himself. Christ proving himself in our love for one another. I would contend that genuine sacrificial love for Christians among Christians is one of the leading reasons that a Christ-created community is not compelling. Why on earth would anyone want to come and hang out with a bunch of people that don't love one another? You'll notice I'm not using the word like one another. There are days it is extremely hard to like people that you love. Husbands and wives all said amen. It's hard sometimes. But you love. Love endures momentary trial, momentary struggle. Love endures those things. The world doesn't understand that. But when the world sees people that don't like one another loving one another, that becomes attractive. Why is that Democrat and that Republican embracing one another in love, proclaiming one message? I'll just get as real as I can here in southeastern Shiawassee County. Love without restraint. Colorblind love. Love that is not divided on your political preference, your social economic status. Love that is not divided on your trade or your language or your ethnicity or your preference of NFL football team on a Sunday afternoon. Love that goes beyond our understanding. Love one another as I have loved you. When we get it right members of a Christ-created community loving one another, we become compelling. I want you to look around the room again. You can't love one another if you won't look at each other. I know it seems silly, doesn't it? But you can't do it. If you can't look at one another, how on earth are you ever going to love as Christ has loved you? Christ, the eternal Son of God, who looked down through time and saw you, who confronted your sin to be sure, who you in turn looked back at. And through faith and the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ embraced you. He loved you first so that you could in turn love him and in turn love one another. I'll close with these thoughts. Do you love God's people? Are you loving sacrificially? Do you love when it is hard or when it hurts or when it is inconvenient? Do you love Christians who are unlike you? Do you love people who are hard to love? Do you love Christians who have hurt you? Love one another sacrificially 
unconditionally, out of obedience to God who says, love one another as I have loved you. Our God and King, most gracious Lord, loving Father, we praise you for loving us. For loving us before the foundation of the world. We praise you for demonstrating your love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. We praise you, God, that you so loved that you gave your son as a ransom for many. Oh God, would you help us, your weak and needy people. Father, help us to love one another as you have loved us and so prove to the world that we are your disciples and further to show forth the glory and the truth of who you are. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you have any questions about anything you just heard or if we can pray for you, please contact us at info at Until next time, stay in God's word.